Now, back to our program. I'm talking with Father Carlos Martins, the director of the Treasures of the Church, who are bringing the relic of St. Jude the Apostle to our Diocese of St. Petersburg. Father Martins, thanks for joining us today. Sure, my pleasure. So tell us about who St. Jude the Apostle was. So St. Jude was one of the original 12 apostles. He is actually the first cousin of Jesus Christ. Uh, His mother was Mary of Clopas, one of the three Marys that stood at the foot of the cross at the Lord's crucifixion. The Church Fathers inform us Mary of Clopas and the Blessed Virgin are blood sisters, making Jude uh, Mary of Clopas' son, first cousins with the Lord. So he's one of the original twelve and has developed an immense popularity. Uh, So he is easily among the most popular saints in the Church. There are more shrines dedicated to St. Jude worldwide than to any other saint save the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because he's St. Jude, sometimes he might get confused with Judas. Correct, yeah. So his name is Judas. There were two Judases among the Twelve Apostles, just like there were two Simons and there were two Jameses. So Jude, we, we in English politely abbreviate his name to Jude from Judas to distinguish him from the betrayer, but they are two distinct individuals. So this arm is the major relic of St. Jude that is extant for veneration. His body, his skeleton, is beneath St. Peter's Basilica within the crypt of the original Constantinian Basilica, but it is inaccessible. It would require an archaeological dig to retrieve it. At the time of that ceiling, 500 years ago, at the time that the current basilica was built, his right arm was removed, and that is what is traveling right now. So was he like in a a coffin, or was he, as I've seen some of the catacombs, and there's just bones everywhere. Do we know factually that this was actually his arm? Uh, We do. We do. So he was martyred in the Middle East, and his skeleton, along with Simon the Apostles, was brought by Constantine the Great in 335 to Rome, and he placed it within the lower basilica of the first Vatican Basilica that he erected to St. Peter. The the Basilica of St. Peter in the Vatican is built in the shape of a giant cross. In the left wing of that cross, at the end of that wing, is a high altar, uh, what is known as the Altar of St. Joseph, and beneath that altar are the skeletons of Simon and Jude. Now, they are three stories below that altar. They are in the original crypt of the Constantinian Basilica. So when the current Basilica was built, the Pope wanted it erected as quickly as possible. Now, it took 75 years to build. Now, that was lightning fast during that time. But he didn't want to slow it down any further by moving the sarcophagi that were in the lower basilica into the new church. He just said, we're going to build the foundation of the new basilica over top of the foundation of the Constantinian basilica. But before they did that, they removed Jude's right arm. Why is St. Jude known as the Apostle of the Impossible? Because in the around the year 500, something strange happened. A kind of cancerous thinking emerged, whereby people had this thought. It's, it's absurd, but this is exactly what happened. If I pray to St. Judas, Judas, of course, being his actual name, My prayers may inadvertently go to Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, and so they won't be heard. Now, this thinking enveloped the entire Christian world. And so from the year 500 until 1700, 
there was no devotion to St. Jude the Apostle in the Church until 1700, when there was a divine act. It had to be divine, because it occurred around the world simultaneously. What occurred was people needing heavenly intervention and having consulted every other saint and having come up short, they thought, you know, I've tried everyone else. What have I got to lose? I'll send my prayers towards St. Jude. And every one of them was knocked out of the ballpark. So from that time, he became known as the patron saint of hopeless cases and desperate situations, because only hopeless cases and desperate situations were given him. Why is this kind of tour important to the faithful? Well, because St. Jude is a hero to great many. You know, there, as I mentioned, there are more shrines to St. Jude than to any, any, other, any other saint, save the Mother of God. And this makes the faith tangible and real. The presence of, of a relic makes the faith incarnational. And, and it facilitates a kind of new kind of intimacy. And, you know, as humans, we're wired, we're created by God to to feel this connection to even those who are lost. I mean, think about when the last time you visited someone's grave in a cemetery, a relative perhaps, when you were there, you spoke to the relative as if that relative was there living. Right? People speak out loud, you know, like, hi, Tommy, you know, I miss you. I'm... So we do this because God is embedded in us to communicate with the dead. So presumably they are hearing us. Although we can't see them, we can't access them. All human cultures do this. It's, it's an instinct put in us by God, to, to use a theological term. It's part of the natural law. And so we feel, people feel, an intimacy, a devotion to the saint when they're in the presence of the relics. Relics are also instruments whereby God heals. We hear about in Scripture, every time relics are mentioned, two things always occur. A, there is always a healing and B, touches the way by which the healing comes about. Not because relics are magical, but because the entire saint is present in his or her relics. In other words, the soul of the saint, which is even now in heaven, beholding God face to face, that same soul is just as present in his or her relics. We have a number of Catholics and non-Catholics that listen to the station, and they find it kind of strange that we venerate such things. But I think you gave a pretty good explanation, but you've heard the the phrase, you know, when we're laid to rest, it's our final resting place. Is it wrong to dig up bones and, for lack of a better term, take them on a tour? Or is this just relegated to saints? Or, I mean, how, there's something, you know, honestly, a little strange about it. Well, not if we keep in mind that the saints are members, they're limbs of the body of Christ, right? So somebody who is a saint is a part of Christ's mystical body, and his physical remains, or her physical remains, no less than the soul. Because that body that housed a saint, that embodied a saint, that body is going to be resurrected, and is going to be so filled with God that it becomes a, a part of his mystical body. And the proof is in the pudding, whereby God works the miraculous in the presence of relics. And, and from the Church's beginning, there was mass was the, the eucharist was always celebrated over the tombs of the saints and that continues to this day so every altar has relics of the saints embedded into it this is why the priest kisses the altar at the start and at the end of mass what he is doing is he's venerating the relics that are embedded inside the altar what are first class and second class and third class relics how do, how do we differentiate between the two 
First-class relics of the body or any part of the body of a saint. Second-class relics are anything a saint personally owns, such as clothing or an object like a book, for example. Third-class relics are any object touched to a first, second, or another third-class relic of a saint. In, in terms of healing, all classes have the same efficaciousness, if you will. So we hear about in Acts chapter 19, for example, St. Paul the Apostle was so holy, they would touch him with rags, they would place those rags on the sick, and it says two things would occur, their diseases would leave them, and if they had any evil spirits, they would depart from them. Have you seen any healings or miracles there, or anything there, from, from there this healings tour? every day. From the, there are healings every day. On this so at so the site, on the location, I, I, will share, I will share some of them, especially during the liturgy. But there are healings every day. I get, I get testimonies, accounts, people with cancerous tumors, the tumors are gone. Some are instantaneous, some it's the following morning. Mm. They wake up with the affliction, without the affliction. You're going to be at St. Paul's in Tampa on uh, February 28th, and then at St. Jude the Cathedral on the 29th. What will people be expected to see when they walk into the cathedral? I mean, will there be a, a side place uh, or lighting or anything where the, the relic is going to be, and will there be a Mass celebrated on that day? Well, what they're going to find is that there's a queue. There's going to be a line that they join. They're expected to be a whole lot of people. Uh, so the earlier people can come, the better. Uh, the relic is going to be set up in front of the main altar, and that queue is going to snake around the church and through the corridors and probably outside. And, of course, there's no cost to this. How much time would, should I budget to attend this kind of event? You know, uh, it's impossible for me to answer that. It varies with each location slightly. It varies by the time of the day. It varies based on the weather of the day. It, I, I just really don't sure. have an answer for okay. that. Okay. When the relic isn't on tour, when St. Jude's not on tour, do you have a—because you're, you're involved with the treasures of the church, does it, does it stay in a, uh, in, in, a, in a cathedral or a basilica or something like that? It is housed in Rome. This is the first time that Jude's major relics have left Italy since being brought there by Constantine the Great in 335. Wow. You do other tours like this, this also, or—? I do major tours for the Holy See. Okay. Uh, so I travel the world with different exhibits of relics. Uh, will there be any uh, tours? I mean, you, you're coming to the Tampa Bay area. Where do you go after that? Well, the schedule is on the website of the tour, which is apostleoftheimpossible.com. So if my family is going to Rome to visit, is there a place where we can see a collection of these kind of relics? They're all over the, the, the Eternal City. Okay. Yeah, there are relic exhibits in, in every parish. Okay. All right. I, one day I, I hope to make it there. Well, Father Carlos, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us and, and letting us know a little bit about the history of St. Jude and our role as Catholics in venerating these great saints. Thank you so much. Okay. You're most welcome. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.